You're as respected and beloved a player as there is in the game. Your leadership helped propel two of your teams to World Series championships, the first one with the Red Sox and the second one with the Cubs. And on that Cubs team, in the last year of your career, you hit a home run in your last official at bat in Game 7 of the World Series. 1-2 and a swing and a high fly ball, well hit to deep center. Davis is back, Davis at the wall, it's gone! David Ross! You went out on top. You'll never have to buy a drink in Chicago again. You settle into a life calling games for ESPN, which you enjoy a great deal, but that competitive itch keeps coming back. Then the only job that might get you back in uniform opens up, and you get it. Now you're managing players who were your teammates and making it look easy. Let's find out how. I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a Swing and a Belt. And Joe Madden on his way to the mound. Ross is coming Ross out? coming out? Is he going to get uh, Ross one more ovation? Uh, How about that? David Ross spent 15 seasons in the big leagues with seven different teams. Despite being a backup for most of his career, Ross left quite an impression on the players he played with and the fans who rooted for him. He was a big part of the 2013 World Series champion Boston Red Sox as John Lester's personal catcher, among other things, and he fulfilled the same role and much more with the 2016 Chicago Cubs, helping to lead them to their first title in over a century. After three years doing games for ESPN, Ross is back at Wrigley, back in uniform, now managing the Cubs, who are off to a great start this season. David and I did some games together for ESPN. We know each other pretty well. Rossi, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Of course, Dan. Good to be on with you, man. And I hadn't got a chance to thank you for all your mentorship and uh, walking me through some of those first <laughs> games. So I miss those days. Those were fun times with you, buddy. They were fun. One of the games we did together, Rossi was filling in on Sunday Night Baseball, and we did a game with Aaron Boone from the bleachers at Wrigley Field. And, and all I do is just create managers they run away from me and they become managers in the big league but we had a good time out in the bleachers that night we did we did it's a lot of fun a lot of baseball talk which especially Booney. Booney is a good one that he's got that catcher eye that i have probably from his family background and it's fun to talk baseball with you guys those are great memories that i've got yeah so i think a lot of us thought that you would probably wind up getting back into the game but like you had a stress-free life you're calling games and you know win or <laughs> win or lose we're undefeated at the, at the end of the season, but did the itch to get back into the game just become too powerful for you? Yeah, I think, you know, I definitely love the TV stuff. It was great for the family, great for convenience in the downtime. I just really missed that competitive edge. You know, I, I missed at the end of the day of whether I knew I did a good or bad job or, <laughs> you know, the, the immediate feedback of what the day tells you as a player. And when you're competing, you know, the ESPN family was great to me. They really transitioned me really well and helped me have a lot of fun. I miss a lot of those people back there, but I also miss that that pull of being in the dugout when things are going on and, and helping, you know, a group of men compete for a big goal was lacking. And, and I'd done that a couple of times and wanted to be a part of that again. So that's why I'm back. I missed that competitiveness, that edge that it gives you and that, that feedback of whether you did well or not. So I was with Booney when he was going through this process and, and he was getting feelers both for being in the dugout and for being in the front office in various capacities. When you imagined yourself, Rossi, getting back into the game, 
Did you envision it being in the dugout or front office or were you open to both? Well, I think mine was more dugout. You know, I feel like my gift is with people and, you know, trying to motivate or get the most out of and and communication and relatability. I I feel like a lot of my skill set is more in that area, uh, which I think just lends itself to the dugout a little more. If I did have to give myself a, a pat on the back in an area, I guess that's what I've developed and what's been natural to me and, and who I am to my core. So uh, I've always felt the, the pull of the dugout. You're right. It is a lot more stress than <laughs> I think I had had in a long time or, or that I thought I was signing up for. But, you know, so far, so good. You start going through the interview process with the Cubs and something I wanted to ask you, you know, you know, Theo Epstein inside out, you know, Jed Hoyer inside out. They know you inside out. What was it like going through interviews with people who know each other so well? Well, yeah, and even going into the the process, Dan, I, you know, I felt that pull, but I wasn't, you know, sold that this was something that I wanted to do or, or thought I could do. And then going through that process and being around those guys and having them ask me the questions and hearing myself give passionate answers and things that I truly believed in. I heard over and over again in my own head about what I believed and, and how passionate I was about it. And it just confirmed, you know, that I wanted this job, especially after the first interview, which was very relaxing. And with those guys just talking things out and going through that and, and knowing what that process was like, I came out of there like, man, I, I think I want this job. And then going back to the second interview, which is much more intense. And those guys got really serious and had me put together a ton of things for my interview process. And it was very lengthy and pretty intense. But I walked out of that process going, I know I want this job and I'm going to be really disappointed if I don't get it. So it was one of those things, you're, they're your friends, but when you walk into that room and you they start firing these questions at you with a serious face, <laughs> it doesn't feel like that for very long, that's yeah. for sure. You're not the first guy to go right to managing without having coached in the major leagues before. Did you talk to somebody like Booney or Craig Council or somebody else who has done this to try to you know, just get some tips from them on what the interview process would be like and what going right into the manager's chair would be like. Yeah, Booney's probably the one I've leaned on the most because there's a lot of relatability there for me and, and you know, going through that. But I also have friends that I came up with and Dave Roberts and, and guys that I play with like Alex Cora, Robin Ventura. And then the bench coach in Chicago for me was Brandon Hyde and he's in Baltimore. I asked him a bunch of questions and he had been around coaching forever. Troy Lovello was my bench coach in Boston. You know, I've got a lot of guys that I could reach out to, but I just wanted to to go in and be myself. You know, I talked to Joe Madden multiple times about things, and that's the one thing he urged me was to be myself, and, and that that's how I, I know I'm going to want the job, and that's how they're going to know that, that I'm the right man for the job is, is that I don't go in and try to be somebody else. And so that advice really held true, and I tried to go in and just give them who I was, and, and it worked out. Yeah, well, it speaks very highly for you that you've got so many connections. You played a long time. Everybody just thinks the world of you. So I'm not surprised you had that many people trying to give you advice on your way in. Tell me about day one of spring training. Uh, did you talk to the team? Did you write down what you wanted to say? Were you nervous? I mean, I know you've been in the game a long time, but this is day one in a new job. And you've got a, you know dozens of players sitting in front of you in a clubhouse. What was that day like? I don't think it felt real until I got done with that opening speech. I was about to throw up, you know, like I think it's something that, you know, I'd waited months to give that speech. I had been jotting things down that I was passionate about, that I felt about the team and what I believed that they could be and, and who I saw each individual person as. And 
what that group of, of players and guys meant to me in that organization. And so, yeah, man, I had been writing down a lot of things I wanted to say and to address a group of men as, as their leader for this season is, is a powerful thing. And I don't take that lightly. And so going into that, uh, definitely the nerves were kicking. They were high. There's a lot of people in that room, including ownership and front office. I was definitely nervous that first speech. But once that was off my plate, it just felt like I could get back to, to just normal baseball stuff. But that was definitely a, a big weight that uh, I carried for, for a little while since I had gotten to Arizona before I got to give it to the guys. So more nervous for that day or for your first game on ESPN right after you retired? <laughs> I, I I know I can stop talking and you'll pick it up on ESPN. <laughs> up there, I can't stop talking up there. So definitely more nervous giving that speech to the guys. Now, here's a question you've been asked a hundred times, so forgive me. But when you talk about the guys, a lot of those guys were your teammates. And everybody knows about the bond and the relationship that you had with guys like Rizzo and Bryant and Schwarber and Lester and, and on and on and on. What is it like going from friend and teammate to manager with the same group of people by and large? I think a lot of it has to do with how I was as a player. Like I, I shoot people straight. I'm not, I'm not a guy that likes to sugarcoat things too much. I don't believe in, in being fake or fluff too much. I love lifting guys up and, and, and when they do well and, and, and noticing things, but I was always kind of a straight shooter. So I try to just still continue to be that guy and be myself and give them real truths. The one thing I, I do know about the job that I learned really early is you got to set some boundaries with everybody, whether they're your friends or, or you don't know them at all, you know, things will pop up early on that you just got to kind of call somebody in your office and talk about it let them know where you stand and listen to them and and kind of create those boundaries amongst everybody so I think that's the main adjustment that went on I don't think there was any anything where I had to say this is you know my way or the highway any of that stuff it's just like look here's the situation I'm in here's my job now and this is how I'm thinking about making decisions and you know, you kind of go from there. I, I always appreciated honesty from my managers. I played for a lot of great managers, and um, I try to give that to my players. Obviously, the COVID situation has been so hard for so many people on so many levels, and our first concern is the health and safety of our loved ones. All that goes without saying. But during the lockdown, I mean, you were, you must have been just chomping at the bit just to get to work. How hard was it having to wait three, four months to manage your first regular season games? Yeah, that was tough. You know, like you said, everything going on, you're, you're contemplating your emotions or, or trying to balance your emotions, I guess, with the anxiousness of getting back, but then wanting to just the world to get back to normal and to be safe, like you said. So it was a lot, but it also gave me some some downtime to, to I would have Zoom meetings three times a week with our R&D group and my coaching staff and kind of left the players alone as much as I could check in with them if I've got any updates from Major League Baseball or our organization. But yeah, it was good. It was a good growing time for me. Continued to dive in deeper and continue to study and kind of do some simulated games that I look forward to. You know, the that quarantine life was just tough with interactions and being able to jump on a Zoom call with people and talk baseball. It, it, it really made it a lot of fun. Right. Uh, for a guy who's who was in the big leagues as a catcher for 15 years, I would imagine the game doesn't really speed up for you. You've seen everything. You've been there, done that a million times, but now you're in the decision-making seat. You've got Andy Green, who was a, a manager as your bench coach. Have there been moments this year where it gets going a little fast or has everything felt like, hey, I've been at this for a while and I can handle this. I can do this. 
the main thing with that is definitely moving fast at times early on. I think, you know, as a, as a player and you're sitting on, on the bench and, and you're trying to play manager in your head, you're really judging the decisions most of the time after they're made. Whereas the manager, you're, you're making these decisions and, and trying to foresee problems coming up in the moment. So, or before the moment happens. So you got to have communication with the guys on the bench when you might pinch hit, you got to have a guy warming up for that hitter that you might not like your starter facing at the back end with some, some guys on base at the back end of his night just a lot of things being ahead and then you know whether it's it's just a contact play you got to give that information to the to the base coach or you know putting on offensive some kind of offensive game plan or signs all those things are kind of moving there's just a lot of decisions to be made so pulling the trigger on those decisions is really the the hardest part you have feel as a player you have feel as a manager but pulling those triggers uh, from all the information all the studying you've done and 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 what your mind and heart's telling you to do is is really the different part and you got guys like me second guessing you from the booth without all the information right (laughs) (laughs) well well, everybody i learned real quick in this job you know you just you got to be comfortable with your own uh in your own skin for sure so a lot of the guys who are there now were there when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016. You guys are off to a great start. This is clearly a talented team. How excited are you about what they might be able to accomplish this season? I'm excited. You know, Dan, the one thing I, I learned is, you know, the emotions in this game, especially as a, a player and even more so as a manager, there's just, even when you're going good, there it's like your kids, somebody's, somebody's having a hard day, somebody's struggling at the plate, somebody's struggling on the mound, somebody's struggling with something at home, somebody's missing their family, somebody's, it's just a lot going on outside of just the baseball. So I, I try to take things daily. You know, I don't try to get too excited. My Our coaches are having fun. Our players are having fun. I try to just be the same guy every day and try to foresee problems that might be arising and, and communicate through those and talk to the guys. And exciting is not the word I would probably use, but um, I'm having a good time. I've got great players. I've got great human beings in this environment, which is even more important, I think, in the world we're living in right now in this 2020 season. So I'm happy, buddy. Well, that's great. It, it feels like you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You got a lot of friends in the game. We're all rooting for you. And I, I, I know you're busy. I appreciate you taking the time. Continued success. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And uh, maybe we'll bump into you at a ballpark sometime soon. That would be nice. I hope so, buddy. Good to hear from me. I appreciate you having me on. And all the best to you, too, bud. Thanks, Rossi. One of the best guys I've met in the game. I can say that without hesitation, both in dealing with him when he was a player and especially getting to know him better when he worked for ESPN for a few years after he retired. And as I mentioned, he seems like he's in exactly the place he's supposed to be. Wrigley Field, managing the Chicago Cubs, who are off to a really good start. Our thanks to David Ross for spending some time with us today. A Swing and a Belt is produced by Christian Ryan. We'd love you to find it wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a like or a review or subscribe or tell your friends or whatever you feel like doing. Join us again next time as well. I'm Dan Schulman. Thanks very much for listening.